Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Friday, April 7th, and we are a few days away from the end of the NBA regular season, which means we are a few days away from the start of the NBA play-in tournament, which means we are about a week away from 40 games in 40 nights. Your boy is too hyped. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, which brings me to today's episode. The topic is five tips for NBA playoff betting. Now, before we get there, I do want to start us off with the usual housekeeping. Let me remind you guys to follow me on Twitter at mfiddle14, to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, and please drop a written review wherever you're listening to this, whatever podcast platform, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, I would love a five stars and a written review and even send it to a friend. That would be lovely. Third is sign up for the Sports Ethos Wager Pass and Discord channel. We have a promo going on right now, 75% off the first month. Promo code is absurd, which it is literally quite that. Having 75% off the already insanely cheap Wager Pass and Discord channel, I mean... The units that this crew accuse literally monthly, I'm in the NBA and NFL group, but there's MLB guys, there's PGA guys, there's UFC guys, there's NCAA guys. Literally everyone is pretty good at what they do. So if you want to cap other sports, if you want to have good, interesting conversations about what bets we're looking at, definitely get in there. Again, promo code absurd for 75% off your first month. And the last thing I want to remind you guys is I've done a handful of pretty important episodes over the last month or six weeks or so. There was the NBA Gambling Mailbag Episode 1. I thought I was going to do plenty of mailbag episodes until I realized I probably just need to split these up and do mini topic episodes. So Gambling Mailbag Episode 1 had a bunch of good stuff. The Parlay Math Explained was definitely an important one. If you don't bet parlays, you can skip it. You're a smart puppy. If you do bet parlays, please go listen to that and help me save you from yourself. We will get to that in just a minute. And then the third one that I did was on the six different types of sports gamblers in the market. So it's important to understand yourself as a gambler. It's important to understand the people that you might be leaning on for advice in the market and how they're approaching these lines and numbers. So if you want to understand how different people cap different styles, and approach the sports gambling market, check out that episode, Six Different Types of Gamblers in the Sports Market. All right, today's episode will be the fourth in that very important chain of growing podcast gambling theory, gambling logic type of episodes, and it is five tips for NBA playoff betting. Now, the first one is not specific to uh, just the playoffs. It's not specific to just the NBA. And it is a universal rule that I was literally just talking about 30 seconds ago. And the number one thing to do is do not bet parlays. Now, we have to remember that anytime we have some of these bigger stage events, in this case, the NBA playoffs, but it also holds true for the NFL playoffs, perhaps MLB opening day, definitely the Masters golf tournament right now. We're a few hours away from Chris Vernon letting us all know what's going on at Augusta. But these bigger stage events, hopefully some of you guys understand what I'm talking about with that reference. These bigger stage events 
invite more public betters into the market. So I just giving you guys a friendly reminder, do not fall victims to some of these public traps. The multipliers in parlays are nothing but traps. If you play a two-leg parlay, there are four possible outcome combinations, but the house will give you a 2.6x on the multiplier. That's some bullshit. In a 10-leg parlay, there are 1,024 possible outcome combinations, but the house is willing to give you 645x. That's some bullshit. So you deserve more. Anytime you subject yourself and place a parlay bet, you are actually shooting yourself in the foot and reducing the value. The multipliers are actually lost value. Go check out the Parlay Math Explained episode to learn exactly why and go through all of the different combinations from a two-leg parlay to a 10-leg parlay. And if you're out here placing 11-leg parlays, Yeah, I'm speechless. All right, we'll just move on. So the first tip is even though there are more public bettors in the sports market, do not become one of them. No SGPs, no parlays, no parlaying various series together, no money line parlays of multiple favorites. Cut that shit out. No alt spreads where you're taking the over 20 points on Giannis prop when his actual over under for his points is 34 and a half. But you're going to take that minus 20,000 over 20 points and pair it with four other legs. Nope. Cut that out. That is not a smart way to approach the betting space. Do not play parlays. They are nothing but a gambling sin. Okay. Very particular to playoff betting is the idea of betting series prices against themselves. So this is a common thing that you will hear from the common folk on Twitter who are self-appointed gambling sharps because they just created a Twitter account and they're now giving out free picks. They are going to tell you to take the underdog in the first part of the series because if they split or if they take game one, you could simply bet the other side and lock in profit. You guys know the terms lock in profit is actually a roundabout way to say hedge and again, shoot yourself in the foot because we've learned, we've covered on this podcast, we are definitely going to do another future straight topic episode on hedging and cashing out. But anytime you choose to hedge or you choose to cash out, you're admittedly making a minus EV play. You are reducing the expected value of the bets that you are making if you are putting in a hedge. So if you are making a bet at the beginning of a series in which you are already planning to hedge it if it goes well, then that's a bad bet. Then there's a smarter way to go about it. I'm totally okay with playing the underdog and hoping they split and take home court advantage. But don't do that from a series price perspective, hoping and planning to simply bounce the other side and lock in profit. The correct way to do that would just be to take the points or take the money line in game one. If the bet wins, then you've won your unit. You've maybe won 2.5 units on a plus 250 money line, right? That is more value in a one game one off than you're going to get by taking a plus 375 series price and then hedging off of it with the minus 325 after game one. You are not going to create enough value by hedging as opposed to just playing it in a straight game format. If you were to even lose game one and then roll over that bet 
into game two, you bet another unit on the money line plus 250. If that bet wins on the second one, you will cover your loss on game one and still make money than you would on a hedge. If you are planning to bet a series and with that bet, you are also saying if this goes well over the first two games, if they steal home court advantage, even if they take the first game, I am going to hedge off and bet the other side. Don't do that. You should only do that if there's a reason basketball-wise to get off of it after you'd already gotten on it. So maybe they steal a game. Let's say we're talking about the Heat versus the Boston Celtics. And maybe the 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 Heat steal a game, but they lose Bam Adebayo at the end of the first game. Okay, now we have a reason to clearly get off, even though they've gained value and stolen a game. If it's just, I want the Heat over the Celtics, I think they're going to steal home court, and I'm going to be able to lock in profit. The correct way of going about that is just betting the Heat for game one and two. Don't bet the series price. If you want to bet the series price, if you want to take the dog on a series price, you hold that bet through. You don't take a bet with plans to hedge it. You can hedge it later if something in the basketball world, if something in your eyes changes that says, oh, now I'm viewing this series differently from a sports and basketball perspective. But from a numbers and capping perspective, if you're going into a bet with a plan on hedging it, you are doing yourself a disservice. Okay. So that's two things that we now shouldn't do. We should not place parlays and we should not plan to bounce series prices off of each other. What should we do? What are the right things that we should do? This episode is actually kind of uh, going in line with my six types of gamblers in the sports market where the first thing I talked about was public. The second thing I talked about was trends and I was anti-public. I was anti-trends, here I'm anti-parlays, and I'm anti-bouncing series prices off of each other. But in that episode that I did, the third thing that I talked about was systems, and that's when I turned the corner and said, okay, there are times where I like playing systems. And just as a reminder to you guys, a systems handicapper is someone who comes up with a series of rules, and whenever those rules or criteria are met, it triggers the, the reasons to take a bet. So it might be, related to travel schedules, rest dates, time of tip-offs, spread numbers, all correlated to a series of rules where you might bet it no matter who the teams are or whatever the points are. And I said, I actually like systems handicappers because they could be profitable taking certain angles over long periods of time. These systems can really last years and years and years. So let's jump into this right now with my favorite NBA system and one that I will definitely be playing in the NBA playoffs, it is called First Round Favorites. It is historically dominant. The idea is you play the number one or the two seed. Here's the rules. You have a number one or the two seed in the first round. The spread is between minus four and minus 25, and you take the favorite to cover the spread. If you have backed this system, if you backtrack it to April 2005, so it covers everything in the 2006 playoffs until now, it holds a 61% win rate, an 18% ROI, and a 
to an 107 record. Now, that is incredible. 61% win rate is definitely higher than what I do. So if I could lock into a system that is a typical higher win rate than myself, then sure. And I could backtrack it. And then I could set myself up to find these spots in the future and play into it. Then I'm very much attracted to the system. It is one that I've played for years now. So when I say trends betting, how long have you actually been playing the system? I've been playing the system for a long time. I love first round favorites. Now, the question we need to ask ourselves is, should we still follow this system blindly? Should we still, like, how similar is the league from 2006 till now? How much has changed over time? Like, we've heard a lot more this year about parity, parity, parity. We have the play-in tournament now. We have increased variance with more three-point shooting. We have higher scoring in the league, which then holds higher variance too. So, yes, we're still playing basketball, but to a degree, this is not the same handicapping process from 2006, 2007, 2009, 2012. It honestly really shifted after like 2015 with the new look warriors with the pace and space. This year is even a whole nother level of scoring and, and pace and space that we've seen. I think I'll have to wrap my head around it this off season about how we attack next season. But comparing data now and systems now from 2006 is a little bit shaky. So here's where I think you can play into this blindly, and here's where I would say proceed with caution. I'm very comfortable playing into this blindly in the East. If it's Bucks versus Hawks or Heat, if it's Celtics versus Hawks or Heat or Raptors or Wizards or whatever, whoever makes that 9-10, I'm very comfortable with the 1-2 in the East. Again, remember, we are tagging the one seed and the two seed in the first round only. So this is first round favorites, one seed and two seed with a spread from between minus four and minus 25. Home or away doesn't matter. As long as it's a first round favorite, one or two seed, minus four to minus 25. So if the Celtics were playing the Hawks and they had a minus 13 and a half spread at home, this would work. If they had a minus seven and a half spread on the road, this would work. If they end up playing the Heat, and they're only a minus three on the road, this does not count as being part of a triggered system play. So we have to pick out these rules. And in the East, I'm still willing to follow it. I don't believe in the amount of parity that we've been talking about in the NBA this season. I actually feel like I've heard that story so many times as an NBA fan for the last 20 years. Like, how surprised would any of us be if it's Bucks Suns in the finals and we have a repeat of the of the finals from just two years ago. Like NBA is a sport where there just isn't as much parity. We end up having finals repeats all the time. It's inherently baked in because we have seven game series. We don't have March Madness one-offs. We don't have football playoffs one-offs. Even baseball now has the one-off wild card game. Basketball is a sport with less parity. And you could bet into that come playoff time. And the way to do that is backing first round favorites. So to a degree, yes, I will be playing this blindly. I plan to play Celtics and Bucks against the spread as soon as the line drops, if it fits the criteria. In the West, I think you could probably pretty safely do it with the Suns, even though they're not a one or a two seed. So again, doesn't fit the criteria. So you're asking yourself, can you do this with the Nuggets against who lands in the eight? 
can you do with the Grizzlies for who lands in the seven? I actually tend to, to lean yes, and I think you will be able to play into these systems, whether it be what, the, the Wolves in the eight, the Lakers potentially, Mavericks, we'll see if they could climb their way in there, Pelicans. So we'll see where the Lakers line up, but Wolves don't scare me, Pelicans don't scare me. I do think you can play some of these systems even in the West. Definitely check my Twitter, but we will be giving out some of these bets. Before we get started on number four, I do want to quickly apologize for the sound quality because my microphone popped out. I need to get better at watching that. I probably just need to get an actually good, nice Bluetooth mic set up for recording podcasts. However, the audio was still all good. The information was still all good. You should be able to hear it all. It's happened before. The sound quality is not too terrible. So I'm not going to re-record it, but I do apologize. I will be more careful about that next time. And let's move on. Number four. Tip to remember for betting the NBA playoffs is that there are more blowouts in the NBA playoffs. We, like, raise an eyebrow on that one because you expect the intensity and the close games to actually emerge on the highest age of basketball. That's actually not the case. We have a higher percentage of games that end in 10-plus in the playoffs compared to the regular season. So my way of betting into that is don't be scared to throw some alt spreads out there where you're actually selling points. So let's discuss buying points versus selling points. I absolutely hate buying points. I absolutely love selling points. So when you buy points, you are taking a line from minus four and a half, let's say, and you're making it money line or minus two and a half. You are buying points, which means you are costing yourself more in the odds, but making the bet easier for yourself to win. You are buying points. You're saying, I want to add options to this bet that help me win it. When you sell points, you're going the other way. You're saying, I'm going to make this bet harder for myself, but in return, if it does hit, I'm going to give myself a much bigger payout because I sold points and got a bigger boost. So that's when you would take a bet from a minus four and a half and you actually take an alt spread and put it at minus nine and a half and you need them to win by 10 or more. In the NBA playoffs, I love doing things like this. Why do I do it? Why does it happen? What's the logic behind it? In the playoffs, we have starters minutes being increased. We don't have one team crushing another, which in the regular season leads to a rotation where the leading team will bench their starters. The losing team will keep their starters in and you'll have a rotation, a six minute stint on the court where you have Star players from one team versus bench players from another team, and that will lead towards that losing team being able to make a comeback. In the playoffs, starters are going to play and stay matched up until the losing coach calls it. So in the regular season, the winning coach is going to try and save some legs, is going to try and bench their starters if they have a 20-point lead in the fourth quarter to start it out, whereas the losing coach is going to say, let me keep my starters in, see if they can go on a 10-point run and make this thing interesting. In the playoffs, starters are going to stay matched up, and the winning coach is going to say, if the losing coach is keeping their starters out there in a 20-point game, I'm keeping my starters out there, and once they take their starters out, I'll take my starters out and we'll call it. Because in the playoffs, saving legs just means winning that game and potentially stopping a future game from being played. 
in the regular season, you know you're playing 82. You know when you're playing in-game Thursday in January, your next game Saturday in Oklahoma City. However, when you're playing in the playoffs in game five of a series that's 3-1, you might not have game six. You're doing whatever's in your power to stop game six from happening. So I love playing alternate spreads. They are a great way to get plus odds, a great odds boost playing into the same angle that you already like. So if you like a Celtics minus four and a half, I highly recommend throwing a small escalator on, you know, not doubling up the bet in the big realm, but maybe throw, you know, three quarters of a unit on the minus four and a half, and then throw a quarter unit on the minus nine and a half. You might get plus 230 on the nine and a half, whereas you're getting minus 110 on the minus four and a half. And over time, selling points in the NBA playoffs, because we have more blowouts, which is actually works against what the public thinks. The public just assumes more intense basketball, which means closer games. Uh Uh-uh, that's not the case. We will have plenty of 20-point games because these starters are not going to let up. So we need to find ways to bet into the idea that while normal people think, while the public thinks these games are going to be close, the numbers tell us something totally different, which leads me to number five. It kind of bounces off number four. The fifth tip for NBA playoff betting is to find escalator bets. Now, of course, alternate spreads are, in my opinion, the best way to do this. Alternate totals also work very well for this, too. We know the outcome probability of NBA totals are all over the place. They're very inconsistent. There's so many possible outcome combinations. If you're taking an under 225, consider taking an under 220 and under 215, and sell points and make the odds better for yourself. If you're taking it over to 12 and a half, maybe play into the variance that is NBA three-point shooting these days, and take it over 230. Sell 17 and a half points, and try and get like four to one odds on the chance that this total shoots way over if you're already playing an over angle to begin with. So that's where you're finding an escalator bet. If your original bet that you're just on a straight line ends up looking really good and crushing it, then find ways to crush with it crushing. So another way to do this besides spreads and totals is playing long shot rebound props. So last season, I was on Andrew Wiggins to be the rebounds leader for the NBA finals. That was one of the best bets I gave out all last NBA playoffs. We had Wiggins over Looney, over Draymond, over Horford, over Time Lord, over Tatum, over Jalen Brown, even Otto Porter Jr., GP2, they were in the mix. I think Wiggins was like the eighth or ninth most likely candidate in the series, and I think we picked it off at 19 to 1 odds, plus 1,900 for Andrew Wiggins to lead the series in rebound. So I love doing this where we take a wing player to end up leading the series in rebounds. We see starters get increased minutes. So check the box for Wiggins going to get increased minutes. And in the playoffs, we sometimes see bigs get played off the court. So increased small ball presence. So if we have increased starters minutes, increased small ball minutes, we're taking decreased big minutes. So those people who you typically attribute to getting the rebounds are actually going to be on the court for less time. And someone like Wiggs is going to be forced into a bigger role, into larger minutes. And therefore, he's going to stay on the court and it might be pretty safe to find some escalator props for him. 
if the Mavericks make end up making the playoffs, I think they would be a great team to target for this. Luka, to lead them in rebounds, seems very safe. Golden State, the secret is out. But I wouldn't mind going back to the well with Wiggins. Kyle Anderson for the Timberwolves. If Cat and Gobert can't stay on the court together and they're maybe playing offense, defense, or one of them's got it going one night, or maybe Cat's got it going offensively and they need him, or they maybe they need Gobert's defense the next night, maybe it's Kyle Anderson who's swallowing up minutes for this team. Maybe in Memphis, you have no Steven Adams. You have no Brandon Clark. JJJ, we know he moves away from the basket. We know he's taking threes on offense. So he's not really the biggest offensive rebounder, even though the Grizzlies are a great offensive rebounding team that mainly comes from the Steven Adams and Brandon Clark position, the guy who's in the dunker spot, which isn't Triple J. And then on defense, he's the one that's flashing to the guy who's attacking the rim. He's the guy who's stepping out, so he's not covering for the rebound. So is it John Morant? Is it Dylan Brooks? Is it even a guy like David Roddy if he was going to get crazy minutes and end up, you know, getting a ton of rebounds? There are ways to play escalator props. So if you like parlays, if you like the idea of I want 8-1, to 9-1 to one odds on a bet, the right idea would actually be to find some escalator bets, and there are value to be found in playing long shot rebound props. There is no value to be found in playing parlays. They suck value dry. They take value out every leg you add. But here, you can get a 9-1 to one straight bet that actually will look really good as the series goes on. So, do I recommend hedging these? Probably not. But if you do get really close to hitting a nice 19-1 to Andrew Wiggins to lead the series in rebounds, reach out to me on Twitter and we could discuss if it's worth locking in profit. I'm probably going to advise you no and to ride it out. If you're someone who likes these escalator bets to begin with, then stick to your guns and see it through. But of course, if you're really close, reach out to me on Twitter and we could talk it through. That wraps up five tips for NBA playoff betting. Remember, do not fucking play a parlay. Don't do it. Do not do it. Also, do not plan to bounce series prices off of each other. Do not go into games one and two of a series liking the underdog and saying, I'm going to plan to play the series price with the objective of hedging and getting the other side. You can play the other side if there are basketball reasons for you to get off of your ticket. Third, Remember the first round favorites system. It is historically the most dominant NBA system that I play. It is a one or a two seed in the first round with a spread between minus four and minus 25. Home or away, I don't give a shit. Number four is expect more blowouts and a higher percentage of games that end in 10 plus compared to regular season. So do not be scared to throw some money on alternate spreads. And five, branching off that, Another way to find escalator bets besides alternate spreads are alternate total points or long shot rebound props. That will do it for today. I will be back next week to do slate breakdowns for the play-in tournament. That is an exciting time as always. Peace out.